0: Another story, but it's time for bed. No, really, we—you got to get to sleep. <sighs> okay, but just one more story, and then you got to go to bed, okay? All right, which one do you want to hear? Again, but you want to hear that one every night. Okay here we go. <clears throat> <clears throat> on Khao San Road, the bright lights glowed, over shopkeepers and adventure seekers and party-goers awaiting a full moon. And there were three new travelers sitting on chairs, and a vendor selling fruit shakes and another banana pancakes, and a massage parlor and a tattoo artist, A sarong, some fresh fruit, and a custom-tailored suit. A tuk-tuk driver and a passenger in a heated dispute. Good night, road. Good night, moon. Good night, party-goers waiting for the full moon. Good night, bright lights. Good night, shopkeepers and adventure-seekers. Good night, new travelers. Good night, chairs. Good night, fruit shakes and good night, pancakes. Good night, fire jugglers, good night, drug smugglers. Good night, souvenirs, good night, cheap and local beers. Good night, sarong, good night, fruit. Good night to the tailor still making my suit. Good night, tuk-tuk drivers settling their fair dispute. Good night, bars, good night, polluted air. Good night, backpackers everywhere. Okay, before we get started, I gotta say something over the course of my travels. I occasionally wrote silly poems and songs, a couple of which I've already shared, but there are some more to come in later episodes, but let me make this perfectly clear. I'm not just lazily recycling old content for this podcast. I'm not, I'm not just mailing it in or emailing it in. I wrote that, that goodnight cows on road just for this or more accurately, just for you. That's right. This wasn't some random note from 20 years ago I dusted off and repurposed for you. Heck, I don't even know if Goodnight Moon, the brilliant bedtime book by Margaret Wise Brown, illustrations by Clement Hurd, I don't even know if that book would have been in my consciousness as a kidless, young, free, and stupid 20-something. No, this was made special for you. Yes, all of you, members of the j Club. That's right. I'm working hard for you. Because I care. Okay let's get started hello again and welcome back to this episode of the Jay luck club presented as always by honey roasted t-shirts honey roasted t-shirts They don't make t-shirts, but if they did, they'd be honey roasted. I am Jay, and I'm glad you could join me as I reminisce about my travels of two decades ago. Not a member of the club? Well, I have news for you. If you're hearing my voice, and you're listening to this now, you are. If you haven't been to HoneyRoastedT-Shirts.com, please pay a visit. Check out the posts and the pics. Leave a comment. Send me a question. Be an active member. I'll be answering questions later in the series. Tell a friend. Share it with your friends and family. This episode is dedicated to John Candy, rest in peace, and his performance in the cinematic classic Stripes. when we last left off, I had just exited Cambodia in a trip as thrilling as the entrance was a month earlier. I had safely crossed back into Thailand and hopped onto a departing bus with full hopes and an even fuller bladder. So let's get into it as we yet again visit an internet cafe in Bangkok. Schneider. Subject? Jay, the game show host? Some of you may have been blessed with three copies of the last edition. Then again, others didn't get a copy at all. I think we can all be responsible adults and work out this problem together, can't we? When we last left off, our hero found himself on a bus bound for Bangkok, his full bladder not happy about the prospects of holding out for a five to six hour journey. The problem was resolved an hour into the journey, so all's well that ends well. My main purpose in returning straight to Bangkok, apart from the cheap and reliable internet access, was to arrange for my tickets to Nepal for my next volunteer work camp. This was a priority in itself, and once my departure date was set, I could figure out how to use my time between now and then. After shopping around Khao San Road, poking my head in both sturdy-looking travel agents and folding table street corner agents with a cousin who can fly you there for cheap type places, I finally found a place which I felt good about patronizing. For one, it was a combination travel agent barber, and I figured if someone invests in that kind of equipment, those barber chairs which elevate and recline and whatnot, is not going to just pack up overnight. Besides, my hair was getting a bit unmanageable, and I thought I could work out some sort of a package deal. Secondly, the advertisement says, recommended by Israelis. With that kind of backing, I knew if I ran into any troubles, I could just call up Israel and straighten the whole thing out. Finally, it was cheap dang cheap. What's the catch? Nothing whatsoever. There are some, in my view, bonuses with the ticket. See, it's Bangladesh Air. The name inspires confidence throughout the aviation world, I know, and I feel privileged for the opportunity. Also, the flight necessarily must go through Bangladesh. And so it happens, I've got to stay the night, hotel transport included. That's right, I'm heading to Bangladesh. With that set, I met up with a friend from Japan, another English teacher, And we headed for the island of Koh Chang and got a beachside bungalow for a week. Hiking, swimming, reading, lounging, relaxing, yada yada. We rented motorbikes, and man was that ever fun. Motos are the transport of choice in Cambodia, so I'd become quite used to, after negotiating a price, hopping on the back, enjoying the ride, and ending up where I wanted to go most of the time. The passenger life wasn't so bad because I could just relax and enjoy the scenery. But now is my time to take the driver's seat and hopefully not join the ranks of every fifth traveler I met who has a bandage on their person. What happened? Motorcycle accident. The bikes for rent are tiny Japanese 100cc models with automatic clutch. You have to shift, but you don't have to worry about the clutch. I'll get back to this a bit later. To be honest, I didn't do a whole lot of driving. What I did was more a tradition of Southeast Asia known as pothole dodging. It involves zigzagging all over the gravel roads at relatively low speeds for hours on end. Remember, these are tiny bikes designed for nice paved roads. While not as much fun as zipping up and down the paved, there were a few paved rose hills. Looking at the blue-green water and palm-lined beaches in the rearview mirrors, I did develop an appreciation for this almost meditative sport of pothole dodging. Most of you have heard of, if not witnessed or experienced firsthand, the sport of mud wrestling, popularized by the movie classic Stripes, in which John Candy's, rest his soul, character was proclaimed a lean, mean fighting machine, prior to his victory in the ring. I was able to participate in a similar version of this wrestling on Ko Chang, the main differences being that, instead of a bikini-clad bombshell, my opponent was my motorcycle, and I was certainly no John Candy. As I lay under my bike, lying on my side, sinking into the soft and deep mud, I began to realize how nice mud baths must be. In spite of the fact I was attempting to cross a mud pit in a rather unorthodox, horizontal manner, it was rather comfortable. Those of you paying attention may remember how much I loved walking around barefoot in the muddy paths of the Children's Center in Cambodia. I was a little worried as to whether my clothes would be sparkling white again, but to the victor goes the spoils. So apart from the various diversions the island had to offer, an isolated, relaxed environment such as Koh Chang allows one to reflect upon one's life, escape the stresses of daily life, and think about the future. After thinking carefully about the difficult questions we all must face one time or another, banana shake or pineapple shake? I came up with some answers. Mixed fruit shake. And my quick analysis of the current state is simple. Life is good. And so with that, I decided I was ready to move on. And I looked forward to the future. Katmandu. Random notes. On missing Japan. My mind often wanders back to Japan, though with the number of Japanese travelers I run into everywhere, it hardly feels like I've left. And similar to the phenomenon which some amputees experience feeling in their lost limb, I sometimes am convinced I feel the vibration of my cell phone, but when I reach for it, it's not there. On my future job, I'm not sure what kind of job I'll have upon returning to the States. Fortunately, my travels and volunteering are providing a great opportunity to try out and get a feel for various occupations. See, when entering a country, and sometimes registering at a guest house, there's a line on the form to list one's job. This gives me a great chance to see how I like different fields. In Cambodia, I was a salesman, in Thailand, a politician. In Nepal, I'm thinking either poet or game show host. I'll let you know. On the bus ride back to Bangkok, the paved roads, the streetlights on the highway, the overall infrastructure was definitely noticeable. As I mentioned in my email, it felt like I had arrived in the most advanced civilization on Earth. My return to Khao San Road also felt like a return home. I'd only been gone a month, but I felt I had experienced so much in that time. I'd grown and changed, and my world had grown and changed too. Sometimes returning to a familiar place, but with different eyes in mind, can be a good measure of how you've evolved. Thailand will always hold a special place in my heart. Certainly, it's a beautiful country and a wonderful place to be, but for me, it was where I first learned to travel and started my journey as a backpacker. I had been in Japan for about five months when two American friends I had met there, Jen and Jess, and I decided to go to Thailand for our Christmas holiday. Though prior to leaving the U.S. for Japan, I had some vague notion I would try to travel to other countries on that side of the world. This trip to Thailand was my first actual foray into travel beyond Japan. We were all excited for our adventure, but we had no idea what we were doing. Or, more accurately, I had no idea what I was doing. Though we all had poured over our Southeast Asia on a shoestring, lonely planet in the weeks leading up to the trip, I was also just taking a leap of faith, knowing it would all be new and all an adventure. And it was an amazing trip. We had an unbelievable time. When we arrived in Bangkok at night, having no plans, we were excited to see the accommodation booking desk at the airport upon arrival. We looked at some pictures of places, found a nice hotel for a very low price. Remember, we were coming from a very high cost of living Japan, so we were blown away at the relatively low prices, and we were thrilled and excited at our fortune. We certainly enjoyed our one night in Bangkok. The next morning, we booked same-day flights to head south to hit the beaches, and similarly relied on the convenience of having someone book a nice accommodation, and we spent our Christmas at a nice beach resort. Yes, it can really be that easy and convenient and comfortable traveling in these countries. However, as the trip went on, we realized there were alternatives, and by the end of our time, we were independently seeking out cheap guest houses, three of us crammed into a double, and eating at roadside stalls. Basically, that's the trip where I learned how to be a backpacker, how to independently travel, experience local culture, and basically set off confidently into the unknown, knowing that whatever adventures lie ahead would be enriching experiences. And it was also where I started to refine and hone in on what I wanted out of travel and of life. I went into that trip, open to anything and ready for new experiences, embracing whatever adventures came our way. On the beaches of Phuket, we took advantage of everything that had to offer. Parasailing? Never done it. Let's go. Bungee jumping? Always wanted to. We're in. Ride an elephant through the jungle? Hells yeah. Every day was about experiencing something new and different, and it was fantastic. We were thrilled by the paradise of our surroundings, the comfort and convenience of the adventures available to us. And remember, not half a year ago, we had all packed up our separate lives and moved to Japan so we were also happy just to be in not Japan for a while. Also, we had a chance to take stock of where we were in life, and when having the discussion in the warm waters of the Andaman Sea, it's hard not to feel good about life choices. As exhilarating and thrilling as those adventures were in our first days, I did start to realize that while I was happy to tick bungee jumping off my bucket list, though Jen and Jess were pretty hungover that morning and may have been less than keen to hurl their bodies from great height into the water below. Anyway, It was also an experience that was disconnected from where I was. I mean, I could have been anywhere in the world. And yeah, riding an elephant through the jungle felt like an opportunity to experience exotic Thailand type of thing. But in fact, it felt more like a pony ride at a county fair. And let's be real, it is a contrived tourist excursion created for foreign visitors like me at the expense of a magnificent creature who is likely not having the life it would like to lead. So anyway, as the week went on, we began to connect more with where we were. We explored caves, we went on hikes, we ate more local food. We stopped staying in the bubbles of comfort. It wasn't about the money, though three of us cramming into a small double guesthouse room cost only a few dollars per night, but it was about the experience. It goes back to what did we want to get out of our time? What was the purpose of our travel? To be clear, that's not to say we didn't enjoy the beaches and the waters and our slice of paradise, and we certainly danced the night away on tables and clubs and bars till the wee hours of the morning. And you can be sure that when Jen spotted a Mexican restaurant, fun fact, we had no access to any good Mexican food in our corner of Japan, and it had been months of deprivation, you can bet we sprinted towards a table. I keep coming back to the point it's about being aware and conscious of your intention within experience. I came to Thailand that first time to see new places and do new things, which I certainly did. But I came to realize that my coming to Thailand was also about, well, going to see what Thailand was all about. Bungee jumping and dancing to Chumbawamba isn't exactly tapping into the essence of the thousands of years of Thai culture. Anyway, Thailand is a great place to travel, but also because of my attachment and familiarity with it, I planned for it to be my home base. Before I set out on my trip, I had a feeling that if things got rough or if I ran into problems, I could always just head back to Thailand and I'd be okay. In spite of the fact I was loving the adventure of new places and new experiences, returning to Khao San Road after a month in Cambodia was comforting. It's like seeing an old friend. Additionally, a family mart had opened up since I was last in town. This is a popular convenience store chain I frequented in Japan. And the number of Japanese travelers was greater than when I had last been there. So having all sorts of fond memories not just of Thailand, but of Japan as well. So I told you about that balance between convenience and wanting to be a rugged individualistic traveler. I'm a backpacker. I can do it all on my own. For those of you who listened to my journal extras in a previous episode, you may remember I proudly navigated the local bus system to get to the Cambodian embassy in Bangkok so I could apply for a visa on my own. I wasn't going to be a lazy tourist who paid someone else to do something that I could easily do on my own. So I trekked my way to the embassy made it there at 1 p.m. on a Thursday, where I learned the visa applications were only accepted in the mornings and took two business days to process. That would mean I wouldn't get my visa until Monday or Tuesday. I made my way back to Kaosan Road, found a travel agent, and I had my visa in hand by 6 p.m. the same day. The day before, I'd scouted out some travel insurance providers since I was completely uninsured and figured I should get myself covered in case I ended up in a helicopter evac situation in the Himalayan mountains. I had researched two places in Bangkok, navigated my way through the public transport and busy streets my first day in Bangkok, only to find one place closed and the other no longer provided insurance. Returning to Khao San Road defeated, and considering just taking the risk of going without, I saw a sign on the window of a travel agent two doors down from my guest house which read traveler's insurance. So yeah, there's a practicality and convenience, and Khao San Road certainly provided that. As time went on, I realized that sometimes it's good to pay for those conveniences, especially when it saves time or hassle and allows you to put energies towards other life activities. But it's always good to make sure I'm not insulating myself from, well, life. I often rode the local bus not because of the insanely cheap prices, but because it added to the experience. I got to see slices of life I would otherwise miss out on if I was sitting in an air conditioned bus filled with German holiday goers. No offense to the Germans. So Bangkok was exciting on my first visit, and on this journey, I knew it would be a practical place of comfort. But honestly, it was in this portion of my trip I really began to appreciate Bangkok. What I mean is that I would sometimes joke about how Bangkok was a polluted Southeast Asian city, and apart from seeing the canals and the sights, it's best to get out as quickly as possible. And given at the end of a day of flip-flopping my way through the city, my feet were completely black, it would be a good conclusion. But the more time I spent in Bangkok, the more I explored other areas of the city. I found parks in which to write in my journal or people watch and markets to explore and alleyways to get lost in. It reminded me that not just with Bangkok, but any place you go, there, there are wonders and there are places to appreciate. I'll read from my journal for a moment because I actually found this note. August 30th. So what's the plan for today? A little food, and I'm off. My plan is to cruise Chinatown, but also investigate the boat taxis of Bangkok. I realize I've been dissing this place a bit. If I'm going to be passing through so much, I should explore it and appreciate it. And let me just say that is exactly what I did. I I did really find places to love in Bangkok. My advice when you go to Bangkok, absolutely take the boat taxis, uh, the taxi ferries. I'm not talking about those canal tours, the long-tail boats. I mean, absolutely, that's a great way to see the canals do that. But in terms of a mode of transportation and just a fun way just to be on the water and see life, definitely take the boat taxis. I suppose I should say more about the barber travel agent that was trusted by Israelis. So, on the road, there were many common traveler profiles and types. Of course, everyone's an individual and has their own reasons for travel. And if they don't have a reason for travel, they really need to listen to my rants on knowing your purpose. But in a general sense, there are lots of traveler profiles or traditions. Much like the stereotype of the American student who spends a summer in Europe using a Eurorail pass to go to new cities every day, there are similar profiles in Southeast Asia. The British kids on their gap year or Commonwealth citizens working their way to Australia. Young 20-something Japanese kids who are doing their rite of passage travel. Israelis who had just finished their military service. And wait, that reminds me, I ran into Ina. Like my segue there? Yes, so I ran into Ina on the streets of Bangkok. You remember, Ina as featured in episode two, Amazing Pickup Truck Ride in Cambodia. At this point, it had been about five weeks since we had parted in Siem Reap, and it was great to run into her, grab a drink, and catch up. Whereas I was preparing to leave for Nepal, she had just returned from Nepal, and she told me about her trekking experience in the Annapurna Mountains and actually highly recommended it. Spoiler alert, stay tuned, I end up doing that trek as well. She told me that the British guys had gone to the firing range outside of Phnom Penh, and they'd been thrilled by it, but Ina, just out of two years of military service in Israel, seemed thoroughly unimpressed. Anyway, much like returning to Bangkok was a great way to check in and mark progress, running into Ina and catching up with her was also a great check-in. This happened a lot on the Backpacker Trail, bumping into somebody you'd seen weeks before in some other country. The new places and adventures, familiar faces and places also help put things in perspective. I won't leave you with a story today. I already told you about the motorcycle mud wrestling in the email, and though I could tell you about the hours I spent racing that motorcycle on the paved roads that Ko Chang did have, wind whipping through the hair of my helmetless covered head, enjoying the view of the ocean as I raced up winding beachside hills while trying to make sure I didn't melt my flip-flops on the exhaust pipe. Because, man, I definitely pushed that motorcycle to its limits and beyond, and I had a blast doing it. But the reality was that the island only had about a mile and a half of paved road, just enough to get from the boat docks to the small beach village. So it was really just me speeding back and forth for hours with a goofy smile on my face, racing fast and loving life. So I'll end instead with a few thoughts on choices. In my email, I joked about how when your biggest decisions in life are trying to decide which flavor of fruit shake to get, life is good. The quick sentiment being that it's good to have choices. Well, I think it's more accurate to say that we all have choices, or more to the point, we always have choices. Sometimes we tell ourselves we don't have a choice, or we feel stuck in a situation, or that we have passively just have to take what life gives us. But it's much more empowering to realize that we do have choices. It's just that those choices have a cost. And I don't necessarily mean monetary. And absolutely, sometimes the cost is generally too much or the sacrifice too great. Sure, you could quit your high paying executive job and become a poet, but that may mean having to sell your home and not send your kids to college. So I'm not saying that you will always be able to make the choices you want. Sometimes you truly cannot afford it and it's just not possible. But many times we don't see the choices we do have in our lives, and it makes us feel powerless and passive, or sometimes puts an artificial barrier and keeps us from living the life we want. So we do have choices, and it's better to be aware that you are actively making choices. However, and this is the state I was in 20 years ago, sometimes you're in a situation where you have choices and the cost is quite affordable and hardly a factor in your decision-making at all. While I'd love to accept the narrative that others tried to put on me at the time about how brave and heroic I was for venturing off into the world on my own, the fact is at the time, I had no job, no kids to support. I had no life in progress. I'd saved up some money, and so really the cost for me was very low. In future episodes, you'll hear about people I met who quit their jobs and gave up their lives to hit the road and travel. That was a far higher cost and sacrifice than what I did. So what I'm building up to is that if you are ever in a position where you have choices and the cost is low, you are very fortunate indeed, and it's, it's good to recognize just how lucky you are. When I returned to Thailand after my time in Cambodia, I spent a couple of days trying to figure out if I should go to Nepal early or head to India for a bit, then cross over or just stay in Thailand and visit a new place. In the end, I chose to head to some Thai islands with a British friend from Japan who happened to be in the country. In my view, travel is often as much about people as places. And it was a great choice. But as I was considering my options, I definitely had a moment where I paused and looked at my circumstances. When your biggest life decisions are choosing whether to explore a new country or head to some beautiful Thai islands, yeah, you are really lucky. So maybe that explains that perpetual goofy smile I had on my face during my motorcycle adventures on Ko Chang. When you have choices and all of them are winners, life is good. For postmodo mud wrestling picks, check out honeyroastedt-shirts.com. Remember, you can subscribe to this podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Are you a member of the JLUC Club? Would you like to be? Well, visit HoneyRoastedT-Shirts.com. Check out more. If you listen to this podcast, or if you've read the emails or visited the blog, maybe if you've heard me tell that story about the time in Jodhpur when I got hit on by a large, motorcycle-riding Indian dude on two completely separate occasions, well, you just might be a member of the j August 29th. So my day, sleep in, sell, trade, my Korean and Cambodian Lonely Planets plus two Cambodian books for an India Lonely Planet and a Thai phrase book. Then sit down and figure out what the heck to do. Write letters to Himeko teachers, this is my school in Japan. Post office, looks like rain, email, yep, rain, hard. Okay, so the options I'm pondering. Head to India, overland it to Nepal. Two, go to Nepal early. Three, fill all my time in Thailand, but where? August 30th. I hit the ferry, and already I'm excited about spending time just hopping on ferry taxis. Very cheap, I might add. Just a few baht a ride. Chinatown's super cool. Dark alleyways, vendors of all sorts, crowded, alive. Again, I'm liberated by the fact I needn't buy anything now. Lots of temptations, however. I wish I needed to buy stuff in bulk. Back to Kaosan Road. Spring rolls. Read. Wander. Investigate Nepal tickets. Guest house thin walls. Girls talking about how many guys they've snogged. A loving couple. Some couple in an argument at 3.30 in the morning. August 31st, sleep in. Get my tickets to Nepal. Finally went into the place which I trusted in part because it was recommended by Israelis and also because it was a travel agent barber shop. Also happened to have the cheapest listed prices. Here's the best part. I get to spend a night in Bangladesh. September 4th, rent a moto, ride and hike to a waterfall, pretty cool actually, swim, take a jump, ride the current, repeat, rock climbing, mud wrestle with a moto, I lose, covered in mud, very soft and squishy, so kind of fun, picked up pictures that have been developed, remember you used to have to do that, run into Ina. She'd been in Nepal, trekking on the Annapurna circuit. She told me it was good, but that I was going at a better month, weather-wise. It was great to catch up with her. Yep, the others did go to the shooting range in Phnom Penh. Offered sexual favors as I strolled by Patpong. No thanks. I've got pictures to sort. Ah, that's enough. Thank you for staying tuned. None of this will be on the exam.